Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Well, hi, my name is Brian Harris. I serve as pastor at large here at Cary, where I also chair the board. And it's my enormous privilege to be able to introduce our theme for the year, which is that of gratitude, gratitude. Now, I imagine that many of you are part of the primary schools. How many, how many of you are linked to the primary school in some, some way? Yeah, a great number. So I thought I'd start off uh, with some great wisdom from Dr. Zuss uh, and his, his book, My Many Colored Days. Now, uh, I'm a grandfather, and I mean, I know that you'll grasp at hearing that and say, you don't look nearly old enough for that, uh, or at least I hope you'll say that. But I'll try and put in my grandfatherly voice as I do this, so My Many Colored Days. Some days are yellow. Some are blue. On different days, I'm different too. On bright red days, how good it feels to be a horse and kick my heels. On purple days, I'm sad. I groan. I drag my tail. I walk alone. Then comes a mixed-up day, and where am I? Don't know who or what I am. But it all, all turns out all right, you see, and I go back to being me. This idea that we are different on different days... I guess to think about that. What, what kind of a day is it for you? Is this a bright red day for you? Is this a purple drag my tail day for you? And what makes us our very best? And what days are we our very best? What circumstances lead to us being our best possible self? If you remember the John Denver song or the songs he made famous, he said some days are diamonds, some days are stones. Some days are diamonds, some days are stones. Some days everything seems to be wonderful, other days things are really difficult. I can remember hearing a really well-known preacher a number of years back, and as he preached, I thought that you know, what he said was really very solid and great and was really good. But as he left, I heard him just turn to his wife and mutter, Goldsmith at his worst. Goldsmith at his worst. And I was a little surprised because I thought, actually, that was, was quite good. But uh, then I heard him preach again on a number of other occasions, and I've got to say, yeah, that one probably was Goldsmith at his worst. I mean, he's an amazing preacher, extraordinarily good. And, 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 and that's the truth, isn't it? Some days we are our 110% self. Some days we are 70% self. Some days are really bad and we are 50% self. And some days we get to the end of them and just say, you know, I'm pretty disappointed. I, I think I let myself down today. That wasn't really me. And other days we might quietly amaze ourselves and be pleased that we have been who we are. Who we are. And, and I'd like us then to, to ask this question, how can I be the best possible version of myself? How can I be the best possible version of myself? It, it's actually a fairly biblical concern. Uh, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 27, Paul speaks about the Christian life as being something of a race. A race where you've got to say, so can I be better? Can I do better? Can I be the very best that I can actually be? L listen to what he says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the, for the prize. 
Now, now, now Paul is contrasting athletes who, in a race, kind of compete against each other, and they, they determine to come first, and, 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 and they do whatever it takes to actually be the winner. Now, 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 all analogies, all images have their limitations. And because Paul is actually wanting to say, you, you, you know, runners in that kind of a race do that, so how much more, if you're wanting the crown of life, shouldn't you be willing to discipline yourself and to make sure that you are the best possible version of yourself that you can be? But, but it is possible, if you look at that image, that you can start to think of it competitively, couldn't you? You start to think of it, okay, so, so you know, we've got to be the best possible follower of Jesus. And you could look around this room today and say, well, there are about 600 people here today. So let's see, how can I be the best possible Christian here? And how can I beat everyone else at this? And you may say, so, so I know that you pray for an hour a day. I will pray for two. Uh, I, I, I know, I just know that you fast once a week. I'll fast for two. I, I know that you, 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 you tithe, give away 10% of what you've got in mind. I'll, I'll give away 20%. You, you memorize a verse of scripture every day. I'll memorize a whole chapter every day. Thank you. And, and, and we could get into our competitive self where we think, okay, so I've actually got to be better than everyone else. No, I don't actually think that that's the image that Paul has got here. I think that Paul, if you were to dig back into it, Paul is saying, actually, I'm in a race. And you know who's in that race? It's my many different selves. It's the many different versions of who I could actually be. It's my 50% self. It's my 80% self. It's my 90% self. It's my 110% self. And which one am I going to allow to win that race? Which one am I going to allow to win that race? You, you, you may say, well, how do you get that from Scripture? Well, well listen to what Paul says in, in Romans 7, 21 to 25. It's quite interesting. Romans 7, 21, he says, so, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and make me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, now, now when, when Paul is speaking like that, he's speaking with this real consciousness of these different inner cells that struggle within us, this force that pulls us in one direction. We, we really want him to go there, but something inside of us is saying, no, come on over here, and, and, and dragging us in that direction. And it makes us so much less than we could actually be. And Paul says the only way we break out of that is because of Jesus. The only way we break out of that is because of Jesus. And so I want us to, to look for a little bit today at our different selves, some of our different selves, and some of those selves that might hold us back quite significantly. And, and of course, some of them are very obvious selves. Uh, as you looked at it, or as, 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 you, as you think about it, you can say, well, I mean, something's just obviously evil and wrong. There's, there's my angry self, where I just burst, burst out whenever I'm cross or whatever. Obviously, that pulls me back and makes me a lesser person. Or maybe there's my gossipy self that just can't bear, you know, just passing. You know, I just love to pass in all these little tidbits of information about people. That, that gossipy self will hold me back. Or there's my lustful self. Or there's my jealous self. Or there's my greedy self. I mean, we have many different selves within us that fight and that compete and that hold us back from being the people that God wants us to be. 
But I want to think of two particular cells that sometimes we don't think too much about, and, and I think they do hold us back. And, and listen, when, when I'm talking about these different selves inside of us, so, so we are in this race that we've been called to, but, but we have these handicaps upon us. And, and it's as though these weights come, and, and we could, without those weights, my, we could run so much faster, we could be so much more. But because we sometimes embrace them and don't claim the power of Jesus to break these things, they drag us back and they hold us back. And, and I want to suggest that one of those selves is actually one that we sometimes don't think about very much. It's our visionless self, our visionless self. Because some of us don't really spend enough time with God to have the sense of what God is wanting from our lives and what God is calling us to. You know, if you're visionless, you accomplish extraordinary little. I mean, a silly little example. It's the weekend. And so you get to Friday and you say, oh, woohoo, it's, it's, it's the weekend. That's great. Two days lie ahead of me. I know Kerry staff never say that. I mean, Kerry staff always say, oh, no, it's the weekend. Never mind. Monday will come around again. Um, <laughs> That's the chairman of the board being totally disillusioned, but kind of delusional. But anyway, you, 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 you get to the weekend, and you're like, oh, good, you know, we've got the weekend. And you say, so, so what am I going to do this weekend? Ah, oh, I'll think about that tomorrow, whatever, sort something out then. And, and so on the Friday night, you've got this whole weekend, and you think, what am I going to do? But you think, whatever. And so what happens on Saturday? You sleep until 10. And then you mooch around for a little bit, and suddenly it's lunchtime, and that's time for an afternoon nap. And you have your afternoon nap, and suddenly it's dinner time, and Saturday's gone, and nothing much has been accomplished, has it? But by contrast, if you say, it's the weekend, it's, you know, here is Friday, well, it's going to be extraordinarily hot tomorrow, so, you, you know, let's go for a walk in the river fairly early, and let's do that, and then let's, let's go meet up with some friends for brunch, and then because it's going to be so hot, let's go and catch a movie, because then we'll be in this beautiful carousel air-conditioned place, and we can do that through the weekend, and we'll be back home at five, and we'll just be, be kind of, the temperature will be dropping so we can get some gardening done, I mean, that's a day when you achieve something, isn't it? You capture a picture of it in advance, and so something actually happens. If you, if you don't plan, if there's no vision for the day, nothing happens. Now, now, now that's a micro-vision. And uh, some days we have visionless days, and other days we have days that are pretty directed. But some of us have lives that are essentially visionless, lives that are not really running anywhere, lives that are not really going anywhere. And if we have visionless lives, we will accomplish so much less. I mean, at the very heart of the Christian faith, we believe that in the opening words of the Bible, in the beginning, God created. And as God created, he was creating for a purpose. And therefore, we believe, absolutely believe, that there are no accidental human beings. That because God is real, and God has a story that he wants us to be part of, that we are called and invited to be part of something that is bigger. And when we get that sense of what we call to, we achieve so much more. And I know that most of you who are here at Kerry and you work here at Kerry have this great sense that God has called you in some way to be here. And Kerry as a movement has a clear sense of vision. And we, we've expressed it slightly differently over the years, but we said that that, that, that that is a movement. We try to build missional platforms, and those missional platforms are places where a needed service of excellence is provided to the community. And as that is provided to the community, we, we win the right, because of the excellence of the service we, we provide, we win the right to speak into the lives of other people and to speak to them about Jesus. 
And, and, and that's the vision that we have, and it's seen one ministry after another being, being developed over the years. And, and, and if you don't have that sense of vision, you achieve so much less. And, and so today, just a quick question. What, what version of yourself are you currently living at the moment? What version of yourself are you currently living at the moment? If you were, if I said, if there were little pieces of paper that I said, you know, fill in the paper in front of you, would you say, am I 70% self? Am I 60% self? Am I 110% self? And if you know inside of yourself, because, because, you know, some people live their entire lives as so much less than they could be. I've been to more than enough funerals in my time, and I've sadly sometimes had to conduct funerals for people, and, I, and I've known something of the enormous potential that they have had. And sometimes the saddest thing is to actually see the end of the life and to say, that person had the most incredible, most incredible potential. But the reality was, and all kinds of things happen, bitterness that holds them back, something that went wrong that they can never get over, and anger that they cannot get beyond. And you look at them and you say, you know, that life's not at an end, and it perhaps was a 60% life. And there's something so extraordinarily sad, something extraordinarily sad about that. And so I would say, say to you, if you're sitting here today and you're 70% self, say, God, give me a vision. I know that you have a purpose. I know that you have a plan for me. Show me what it is, because when I have that, I live in the light of that. Second thing that I think drags many, many, many people down is what I would call my entitled self, my visionless self and my entitled self. We live in a world where, where, where there's a kind of a mischievous voice that goes around, and that voice says to us, and it comes through, through multiple marketing programs, you deserve it. You deserve it. You're worth it. And uh, if you see many adverts and say, so what's it saying? Some of, it, some of them, in fact, do say just as bluntly as that, you deserve it. Or if it's a little longer, five words. Go on, you deserve it. Or if it's a long advertisement, seven words. Go on, you know you deserve it. And, and, and when you, you see those adverts, don't you sometimes think, says who? I mean, like, you know who I am, do you? Why do I deserve it? You know nothing about me. At any rate, if I deserve it, why are you going to charge me for it? Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. But, but there is nevertheless that, 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 that message that goes across the whole time that I should view myself as an entitled person. Now, now what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is that when I start to view myself as being entitled, I become a very small person obsessed with myself. And the more I become obsessed with myself, the more I move in the opposite direction to the one that Jesus calls us to. Because Jesus says that actually, if you want to find your life, why not lose it? And the seed that drops into the ground and dies, it's the one that produces the great harvest. And the first will be last, and the last will be first. And you go in a very different direction. And you go, you seek the kingdom. And as you seek the kingdom, then mysteriously you find that actually all these other things get, 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 get added to you. But if you go the other way around, you see, then, then, then I've got to be my entitled person. I've got to look out for my rights. Thank you very much. I've got to protect my turf. Thank you very much. But the trouble is that as I do that, you look after your rights. And you, 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 you kind of lock in and because it's all about you as well. And it's all about you. And so you lock in about you. And 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 what lonely, tiny, pathetic little worlds we build. I mean, they're just not big enough when they're just about us. 
And Jesus always calls us to something that is so much larger and so much bigger. In fact, he says that we need to see life in a completely different way. Luke chapter 11, I find one of the most uh, challenging of, of, of the teachings of Jesus. He talks about our eyes and what our eyes see. Luke chapter 11, 34 to 36. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, and if we were going from the Greek text here, the word healthy is very, very similar for the Greek word for generous. When your eyes are healthy slash when your eyes are generous, your whole body is full of life. But when they are unhealthy, and the Greek word there is stingy, stingy eyes, but when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be just as full as light as when a lamp shines its light on you. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying you can look out on the world with stingy eyes. Kind of stingy eyes, like they can't look, what's in this for me? And, and they're narrow and they can't really see because they, they, they're actually inward and they're self-absorbed. Or you can be wide-eyed in the way in which you view the world. And with wide-eyed eyes, look to the world with generosity and see that God is calling you there. And, and Jesus said, if you have those kinds of eyes, generous eyes, your body is filled with light. And you'll be given purpose and you'll be given direction. And you will be, indeed, you will be your 110, your 120% self. But stingy eyes will hold you back again and again. So says Jesus, be very careful with how you view the world. Because if you view it with stingy eyes, you'll become so pathetic. So pathetic. But if you view it with generous eyes, you will be a large person. Someone who is your best possible self. Indeed, I would want to suggest that if you say, so how then do we go on the journey? How do we go on the journey from being visionless, from feeling entitled and self-protecting our own terrain? Thank you very much. How, how do we go on that journey to real spiritual growth? And, and, and I want to suggest that it comes when we genuinely dispirit, develop a spirit of gratitude and that we need to move in a journey that takes us beyond visionlessness, beyond entitlement, to deep down gratitude. Where, where, where does gratitude come from? Well, in 1 Timothy 6, 7, Paul says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. We brought nothing into this world. We can take nothing out of it. Now, now Paul's thinking as he writes to Timothy is very clear. He's saying, Timothy, you know what, mate? You came into this world but naked. Are you clothed now? You're ahead. Be grateful. You bought nothing, nothing into this world. And because you bought nothing into this world, the fact that you have something now means that you are ahead. Be grateful. And you know what? That's true of all of us. I don't see any butt naked people here today, for which I'm decidedly grateful. Uh, <laughs> We're all ahead. I mean, some of us have these great resentments and oh, grudges, and I should have more, thank you very much. But the bottom line is, you are ahead of where you were. And Paul says that should lead you to be grateful, for God has given this to you. 
I, I was fascinated, and uh, I hope I'm not embarrassing people here, but uh, there was a book launch. Was it this week, last week, very, very recently, of, of a book by uh, some of the Kerry staff, uh, Helen Nelson, uh, Laura Wills, who put out a book uh, for children, to be sure, Thankful Hearts, Thankful Hearts, and beautifully written by, 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 by Laura, beautifully illustrated by Helen. Uh, I've read it, and I've read it to my grandchildren, and uh, it just says there are so many things to be grateful for, and that we should start to develop eyes that are generous and see that we are surrounded by wonderful things the whole time. And so very simply, uh, the book goes, and it's a book for children, it says, I am thankful for Falling leaves, speckled frogs, yellow daisies, climbing logs, sandcastles, ouchy prickles, funny faces, tummy tickles. And so it goes on. And indeed, these are wonderful things that we should be grateful for. And when we develop that, you see, then something lifts inside of me. Because when I don't have that spirit of gratitude, I'm weighed down by a sense of something's wrong, that's not fair, I'm being held back, and that weighs us down, and we become so much less, such a tiny version of who we could actually be. Having said that, of course, there are many, many things to be grateful for, but some things are even more profound that we should be grateful for. In the 1970s, the church that I went to back in those days, and that was, I guess, a fair, fair length of time ago now, one of the favorite hymns then was Count Your Blessings. How many of you are old enough to remember that, 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 that hymn, The Confession of the Elderly? Uh, and uh, that hymn has, as one of its verses, or, or the refrain of, of the chorus goes, Count Your Blessings, name them one by one. Count Your Blessings, name them one by one. Count Your Blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Uh, it's an extraordinarily monotonous tune, but at any rate, there, 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 there you go. But it was, the church I went to in the 70s, it was, was our favorite hymn. Certainly it was the favorite hymn of the oldest member in the congregation. Granny Smith was her name. I, maybe she was named off the apple, I'm not sure, but anyway. She, she, she was like this toothless old duck. And she loved this hymn, absolutely loved it. But, but, but she, she, she sang completely tonelessly and toothlessly, but, and she changed that verse every single time she sang it. She, she'd somehow got this verse, so the, 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 this chorus instead. So, so she would never sing, count your blessings, name them one by one. She would sing, count your blessings, name them two by two. Count your blessings, name them four by four. Count your blessings, name them by the score. And it will amaze you, there are millions more. And, and, and when she got to the end of that, she would turn around to me, because I always sat in the, 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 the pew behind her, and she would kind of grin at me toothlessly, and she'd say, it's true, young man, it's true. And, and I sometimes looked at her and I said, and I mean, I never say this to her, but I sometimes thought, what do you have to be grateful for? I mean, really? I mean, I don't want to be rude, but you look like a wreck of the Hesperus. I kind of, you can barely walk. Uh, you have no teeth. Your singing is worse than mine, and good gracious me, that's something. Uh, you know, so what have you got to be grateful for? Thank you very much. But, but you know, if I had actually said that to her, I know what she would have said. She would have said, yep, but I'm going to be dead before you. And that means I get to heaven decades before you. And then she would look at me and she'd wag her finger and she'd say, young man, the best is yet to be. Young man, the best is yet to be. And, and, and she was right. She was right. Because actually, Christian gratitude 
is about spotting all the good things that God gives to us. But at a deeper, deeper, deeper level, it is knowing that the best is yet to be. Then the words of that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, there is strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. And we are grateful, yes, for all the good things that God gives to us, but you know what? Primarily, I'm grateful for Jesus. I'm grateful that Jesus has shown me the Father. I'm grateful that God has sent his Spirit. I'm grateful for the cross of Jesus. I'm grateful for forgiveness. I'm grateful that I've been made part of the community of God. You know, this, this week, um, many of you know that there was this enormous fire in this area, and, and some of you were evacuated. How, how many of you were actually evacuated from your homes this, this, this week? Quite, quite a number. And you see, I was preparing the sermon on gratitude when this fire thing comes out. And, and we actually were in the red zone as well, our home. And, uh, and, and if you hadn't followed the news, just anyone who has completely switched off to everything, uh, well, there was an enormous fire in this area, and it was extremely dangerous, and all the homes in this area could have been burnt down. And, and so I'm preparing this sermon on gratitude, and I'm saying, God, you know, if that actually happens, it's going to be a tough gig. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to come here on Sunday, you know, and look at a group of people and their homes all burned down and say, be grateful, that's our theme for the year. I mean, this is not going to be that easy, thank you, God. So please, don't let that happen. Thank you very much. And furthermore, God, if it's my house that's burned down, I refuse. I'm not doing it. So just get that out of your mind. I absolutely refuse. And, and God answered wonderfully. And none of our homes were burned down. But it did make me think. Because, you know, even as I thought like that, I thought, yep, yep, it's true. I mean, if our homes were, listen, it would have been extraordinarily difficult if our homes had burned down to actually stand here today and talk about being grateful. That, that would have been very difficult. But when I look deeply, deeply, deeply inside myself, I know that at another level, at a completely different level, I would still be grateful. I would still be grateful because I know, like I know, like I know, that God is God and God loves me and God has accepted me and that I'm a child of God and that there is a future and there is a hope and you know what, that is the truth for you as well. And when we know that, that liberates. And when we know that the best is yet to be with grateful, thankful hearts, we look at the world with generous eyes and we say in a world that says, have stingy eyes, that's all about you and what you... No, no, I can be so much bigger than that. I can be so much better than that. I can be a different version of myself. And I am a different version of myself. And we together can be different versions of ourselves because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Let's pray together. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Jesus.
We thank you for the difference that that makes to us. Amen.